Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of In Killing Color. This is episode number 42. And today, we're gonna go back into our serial killer bag because I haven't talked about a serial killer in a little while. So today, we're gonna talk about a man named Mark Goudeau, AKA The Baseline Killer. I'm not sure if you've heard about it because like I've always said, most people can't name three black serial killers and one of them is not the DC Sniper. Let's get to it. back in time 2005 2006 and we're gonna go to South Phoenix Arizona during that time most of the residents in that area lived in absolute fear there was tons of things going on but it was wild because not only was there a serial shooter there was a serial killer doing the same things at the same exact time so that place was getting a head rocked every week, literally, <laughs> no shade. Now, all the reason they call him the baseline killer is because most of the murders happened in a middle-class area near a place called Baseline Road. Now they say that the baseline killer actually unalived more than 23 people and they were mostly women in their 20s and 30s because let's be clear, Niggas like to prey on women because their mama was terrible. Oh, I, 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 I. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Baseline killer. Like I said, he was simultaneously doing these things alongside somebody that was called the serial shooter, which we're not going to talk about because it was not on base. It was not online with my brand, if you know what I mean. And they terrorized the Phoenix metro area between August 2005 and June of 2006. Now the crimes later spread north, primarily to North Central Phoenix, and the baseline killer is believed to have committed nine counts of first degree murder, eight women, one man, in addition to 15 sexual assaults on women and young girls, 11 counts of kidnapping, plus hella armed robberies. So it's giving definition of criminal because he's doing everything. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it, baby. I'm, I guess. <laughs> I don't know nothing about that. But they also said that although it was not initially linked, the crimes literally all seemed to just basically not have an apparent motive. And the murders were particularly brutal, with most of them being shot in the head. The criminal was also described as wearing various disguises, such as like Halloween masks and sometimes attempting to be or impersonate a homeless man or like a drug addict. So, you know, like kicking it on the corner, looking dusty, somebody run up and it just be a bad day for everybody. Now the police spent thousands of hours, thousands and thousands of hours patrolling and following up on hundreds of tips during the summer of 2006. And the residents of Phoenix became increasingly alarmed 
by the random nature of all the violent crimes because like they said there was no motive they was just out here doing it now the police were able to get a sketch of what one of the surviving victims because there was one ended up saying now once they got that like once they got that i keep wanting to say script sketch of the baseline killer and they offered a one hundred thousand dollar reward it took over a year for the police to come up with a viable suspect a year so folks was just out here down bad shook not going outside very scared for one year so let's just rewind back a little bit mark goudeau at the time was on supervised parole with the department of corrections <laughs> supervised parole so that means he was already doing some bullshit so in August of 2006, the parole officers in the Northeast Parole Office provided information to the police saying that they provided the sketch that they saw kind of looked like somebody that they had on their radar named Mark Goudeau. And they said that they, when the police went, the parole officers went and searched Mark Goudeau's residence because that's what they do. They found a ski mask and a realistic toy handgun. The police then used that information to obtain a search warrant for his residence and they found additional items that linked him to the crimes committed by the baseline killer. So in 2006, he was arrested. Now we're going to go back a little bit so we can talk about what happened. All right. So, you know, in several episodes, I have talked about DNA evidence and how things have changed and how people have gotten caught. So guess what? DNA was the way that the baseline killer was caught one of the surviving victims they were able to get a swab from her and it was able to connect all of these unalivings together and they led to a construction worker named mark gudo aka mook mook okay so his name is really not aka mook mook but that's the name we gave him when we were talking about it okay so they say that Mark Goudeau was a, he looked like a model citizen living in a house on a tree-lined street with his wife of nearly 20 years with a steady job. <laughs> steady job, wife, chilling. Whole time your man is outside unaliving people and you at home making a pot roast. Girl. <laughs> That's not okay for me. His hunger for kidnapping, murder, and rape shot him to the top of the U.S. most evil serial killers. Now, they did, you know, I like to skip around, but this one, I'm just going to go here. They say in 2011, 40, he was 47. He was sentenced to death after he was convicted of nine murders in the Phoenix area. He traumatized that area, like I said, for a full year before anything had happened. And the fact, I, I just can't get over the fact that there was a serial shooter and a serial killer active at the same time. While the whole time, Mark was acting like he was a devoted husband, chilling with his wife. And he also was in court and he led the jury to believe that he was like a really good guy. But we're going to go back into a little bit of Mark history and we're going to see why that's probably not the truth. So Mark's story begins in 1964. He was born to Willie and Alberta and he was the youngest of 11 siblings. Now, Willie and Alberta had a very strict household, but according to one of Mark's siblings, it was peaceful and it was calm. So I guess they, it was strict, but it was chill. Like, I don't know if that's like, how that makes sense, but okay. <laughs> Other siblings said that Willie was verbally abusive, 
and that alcohol ran rampant within the family. Now, Alberta, the wife, she died in 1976 when Mark was 12. And then he went to high school and it was called Corona del Sol High School in Tempe, Arizona. And he played sports, he played football, and he was really, really good. But he didn't graduate because he didn't have enough credits. How'd that happen? In high school, how'd that happen? How you even get to senior year? How do you even get promotion, promoted, promote, if you don't have enough credits? Sounds like Corona Del Sol got some explaining to do. Now, once his mom died, she died of a stroke. They said that it had a severe impact on his life and developments. And back to, like I said, several, several episodes ago, I feel like when I read this immediately that it was going to go to everybody's favorite thing, diminished capacity. Because, you know, that's where they always go when they want somebody to get off or look bad because of how they grew up, how they had a house, blah, 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 blah. I don't think Jeffrey Dahmer had diminished capacity. They didn't use that. He had a pretty fucked up childhood too. Right? No? Oh, just just black men? Oh, okay. That's what's up. Um, so, trouble actually began for Mark in 1982 when he was 18. Him and one of his brothers were accused of raping a young woman. The brothers were never charged because the victim did not want to go forward with the prosecution. So then no charges were pressed. He was charged with trespassing for a bar argument in 1987 and also driving while intoxicated in 1988. Okay. So in August 1989, he was charged with kidnapping, sexual assault, aggravated assault in the beating of a woman with a shotgun and the chasing of two witnesses at a scene. But she still got married though. She... Didn't even take the time to look up your record and see what type of men folks she was bringing into her life. She probably lucky she didn't get unalive because let me tell you, he was out here doing it. Now, with the two witnesses, the woman, which was one of them, she said that he raped her and tried her to, tried to force cocaine up her nose. Then he beat her first with a barbell and then the shotgun, threw her in the bathtub, tried to drown her, then beat her again in the parking lot as she was hauling ass trying to get up out of there. He said, Mark said that, hey, she willingly gave me head and that they were about to take a bath together when two people knocked at the door. The man who beat her up and then another man, he said, which held a gun on him. Now that night, the police were called to that location. And when the police pulled up, they saw a naked white female outside running for her life. She was visibly upset about something. And I'm guessing it was because Mark was trying to put coke up her nose. And beat ass and put in the tub. I don't know. They said she had severe injuries and told the cops the person who did it is still inside the apartment. So they go inside. They find 24-year-old Mark chilling like nothing happened. He was calm, very chill when the police arrested him. He was covered in blood and the apartment was in absolute shambles. It was obvious that he did something. But Mark told the cops that something did happen, but he wasn't sure why. What? <laughs> something happened but I don't <laughs> I don't know <laughs> okay that doesn't make any fucking sense so at which point he was allowed to plead no contest to three counts of aggravated assault and in 1990 before he was sentenced now listen to that let me say it again in August 1990 before he was sentenced 
He pulled a gun on a cashier at a supermarket, robbed her of $850, and then forced the employees to follow him out of the store. Why did, Why he make them follow him out the store? For what? You was getting away with your $850. He told the police once he got arrested that he needed the money for his crack addiction. Okay. I, I mean, I guess that goes along the lines of what you do to get those things. So, at that point, he was then charged with six charges, including attempted murder. Randomly, and I, when I say randomly, I saw that word several places I researched it, and I saw it in a documentary that I watched about him, because there is one. Randomly, he was released and did not serve any time. <laughs> they said he was a shy, not super smart guy. And everybody, including his girlfriend, thought everything was okay with him. I actually think the fuck not. So as I was watching the documentary, I was like, I know he did not get off for that. Guess what? He did not get off. <laughs> he ended up getting sentenced later on to 15 years for the assaults and 21 years for the robbery. All right. Now, for me, the story should have stopped there. That should have been the end of it. At this point, it should have been no killer. It should have just been abuser, drug user, robbery. That's it. So after he served 13 years as a model prisoner, he was paroled in 2004 after his friends and relatives wrote letters of support to the clemency board. They said, Mark's transformation from a young, sad boy to a mature, remorseful, ambitious, and introspective man has been inspiring. Although Mark could have fallen into the abyss of bitterness and anger, he has chosen to see the positive side of life and the many possibilities it offers. Mm. Not this nigga beat this hoe upside the head. <laughs> Try to force cocaine up her nose. Put her in a bathtub. But you know, he has chosen to see the positive side of life and the many possibilities it offers. Mark, go to hell. Okay? No. So... They said that Mark told the clemency board that he had changed and he hoped to work in construction upon release. The board member said they had no reason not to take him at his word. So guess what? They released him. And he was able to work at a company called Select Build. And that's where he went. After that, now it I didn't I didn't catch this and I, I hate that I didn't do that, but here we are. When he got out of prison. He moved into the house with his wife. Now, it's giving inmate pen pal. It's giving findajailhusband.com. I'm thinking that's where she was. Because when he got out of jail, he moved right into the house with his wife, Wendy Carr, that they bought in 1995. Now, that house is on a street called Pinchot Street, which is a long block of Thomas Road, which is where the baseline killer committed most of his crimes now mark's neighbors knew that he had been in prison but they liked him so much that they didn't even give a shit they was like oh my god like mark is so great like he cuts my grass like he's so sweet he had even confided to his next door neighbor that the police were questioning him at some point in the baseline killer and she said she didn't believe it the police interviewed sue ellen bennett and she said Mark is a really sweet, sweet guy. 
he was always home or with Wendy. He's a very hard worker. Another neighbor named Bert said that he would see Mark doing yard work and they would talk or wave. He said, I would never suspect him of hurting anybody. One of Mark's sisters, Wilma, said that her brother liked to spend time with his wife. They hiked, rode bikes. They were almost always doing something together. She also said, I cannot see him doing something like that. But girl, he did. <laughs> but girl, your brother is a serial killer. He's obviously not spending all the time with his wife because if she was, it would be giving Bonnie and Clyde. It would be giving she would have told early on or it would have been giving Alton and Deborah. Oh, y'all remember Alton and Deborah? Remember that? <laughs> That's what it would have been giving. But Wendy was not Deborah because Wendy is not a black woman. Anyway. <laughs> I, you know, like. I just be feeling bad because like when I be telling this stuff, like I just be, I be trying to be serious, but it's like the ridiculousness of the shit that I see. And then when I write it, I'm just like in a zone. I don't really pay attention to what I'm writing. And so like go back and have to read it. And I'm like, well, he was cutting his grass and he waved at me. Girl, Don Jeffrey Dahmer made sandwiches for the bitch across the street too. With some nigga head meat. What you mean? <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> anyway, Oscar's brother said that him and his sister, they visited Mark back in Phoenix. And they said it was like he was being born again. Everything that they said didn't sound like the description of a man who would shove a gun into the side of a pregnant lady and rape her as she pled for her life and her unborn baby. No, 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 not Mark. Because he cuts his grass and speaks to Bert on Saturday morning. They didn't sound like the man who would threaten to kill a woman and her younger sister, then drag them into the bushes and assault them repeatedly. Because no, 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 he works construction and he loves to ride bikes with his wife. You know, something that a serial killer would never do. And he was black. So guess what? He can't be a serial killer. Because black people don't have serial killers, do they? Now, the very first crime attributed to the baseline killer took place on August the 6th of 2005. Mark forced three teenage girls behind a church and he molested two of them. He is believed to have committed his first murder a month later. Now, over the course of following 11 months, he committed several robberies, sexual assaults, assaults and a total of eight additional murders. So while he was cutting grass, riding bikes, spending time with his wife, he was also molesting young girls behind the church, raping them, and unaliving eight people. Model citizen, feel me? Like, couldn't have been Mark, baby. Not him. No. So after a while, the police were just like stuck because they're like, girl, what is going on? Like, I just don't understand. So when I talked about the two sisters that got absconded and put somewhere one of them did not die so that's who they were supposed to get the um dna swab from so once they got the dna swab and they got all the stuff the swabs and stuff were put away but they were never tested some more 
police stupid shit. So then they go back, find the swab, and that's how they were able to do it. But that's how he got away with it so long because they didn't do their goddamn job. Kind of sounds like CPS and they don't do their fucking job with these kids. Remember? Yeah. I know you remember. So at the time, Mark was 42. And he's a convicted felon. All the things that make sense. The sisters had first failed to identify Goodell when they looked at the mugshots because they couldn't really tell. Because, you know, a lot of them think that all black men do look alike. But Mark doesn't look like any of the other serial killers that I've seen on my list because I do have a photo. Light skin, rather large build, not fat, but just thick. Regular Caesar haircut, decent looking dude. Very unassuming is what it is. So I'm guessing that's probably why nobody was ever looking twice at him anyway. All right, so after the DNA test and all those things, authorities came, arrested Mark, and charged him. Now, his defense lawyer said that they would find that test, and they tried to say that, oh, the defense can't, we can't, we need to run our own test on this too, because we can't just trust y'all's, we need another test. Like, okay, girls, not just going to say anything different, but let's just do multiple tests on the same shit that's been tested all the time. So while he was in jail being held, there was another search of his house and the police found a victim's ring in one of his shoes and the traces of one of his victim's blood in the actual shed in his backyard. Now the investigation prosecuted prosecution and the trial proceeded quickly and Goudel was immediately found guilty on 19 charges of murder in September of 2007 that earned him 438 years in prison. And that's just for the actual crimes against the sisters. Never mind all the other stuff because he has yet to be tried for any of those yet. Just the sisters. And neither one of them died. So never mind all the people he died. He unalive. He went to jail for molesting and beating two young white girls. 438 years. Oh, yeah. Also, but... Before the DNA, when he was tooting around, carrying on, doing his own business, he was still doing stuff. Like, he just didn't stop. He was like, fuck that. Anybody got me, so I'm going to do it. So, April 10, which is very wild because that's my birthday. April 10, 2006, but that's not my actual birth year. Okay, I was not born in 2006. He was charged. He unalived a lady named Sophia Nunez. Now, Sophia's body was found by her eight-year-old son in the bathroom of their house. She had a bullet under her eye, and her eyes were open. Her child then tried to perform CPR on her, and he couldn't help his mom. People heard the son carrying on. They called the police. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Imagine. That's, imagine. I can't. I cannot. Now, we're going to fast forward to May of 2006 when the police sketch was put on the news. They had, the police had the sketch the whole time, but this is when they put it on the news. They was like, he used to wear like a hat with those little fake dreads at the bottom. So you couldn't really tell, like kind of looked like everybody. Tons of tips, none of the shit panned out. So Mark was like, fuck that. I'm gonna do something else. One last hurrah, June 29th. He abducted a lady named Carmen Miranda. She was at a car wash, minding her business, doing her thing. And she said, Mark comes up to her while she was on the phone with her boyfriend. Now she's talking to her man. Hey, washing my car. Blah, 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 blah. 
Her man hears her scream. Line goes dead. Boyfriend tries to call back. She doesn't answer. He immediately calls the cops. And then he calls her brothers. They try to get to the gas station and to the car wash real quick, but it was too late. They searched for her. They couldn't find her. They didn't, then found her 100 yards away in the parking lot of a barbershop with her pants unzipped and a bullet in her head. But here's the gag. The whole entire interaction between her and Mark was captured on closed circuit TV. And I saw that. They showed him walking up to her. She's minding her business, washing her car, talking to her man. He walks over and it kind of cuts off. And I'm like, it'd be, it'd be wild. Like, you can't even just wash your car. Like, girl, you can't even wash your car. Can't even go to the gas station. Can't even check your mail. Can't even walk your dog without whoever, just because they felt like doing it, felt like doing it. So now he don't get to see his woman no more. Whoever in her family don't get to see her no more, all because she was washing her car. And Mark just so happened to be there and was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. So in July, a woman came to the police and she was like, girl, I know exactly who that is. And she gave him the name. They put it on the surveillance list. September 7, 2006, they arrested him. And of course, he had DNA evidence, blah, blah, blah. 438 years. 438 years. <laughs> yeah. What? No. It's something about, like, charges and years that kind of, like, wows me out. Why would you give somebody 438 years? Fuck they gonna do? Die, come back, die, come back. Like, your reincarnation just keep coming back? Like... Girl, just be like, die. Bop. That's it. You're here till you die. Bop. 438 years. Okay. Luckily, these families did get their justice. Because a lot of people do not. Thanks to my favorite good old scientific DNA. She wins once again. So there's another one to add to your serial killer list. Thank you. I'm not sure how many that is for you guys. But guess what? I have more. I do. So make sure you stay tuned so you can hear more. I will talk to y'all next time because I don't want to talk no more. Love y'all. Bye. <laughs>